the network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week. Episode 196, recorded Friday, May 22nd, 2015. I don't know. Ready. AV, AV Week. Performing scan. Week. Online. This is AV Week. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host. With us this week is Mr. John Green from uh, from Advanced AV. How are you, sir? Wonderful. Great day today, isn't it? Nice, nice start of the weekend. Nice start to, to, a, to a holiday weekend. Yes, it is. Uh, also with us, we have two first-timers, so John, be nice to them. Uh, he's John's an, an old pro at this. Uh, first up is our buddy Clint Hoffman from uh, Kramer US. He is the vice president of marketing. Hello, sir. Hello. How you doing, Tim? Glad to be here. Absolutely. Uh, and also with us uh, is a young man I, I met uh, a couple months ago. Uh, his name is Ernie Beck. He is the senior sales engineer engineer for Scenario. How are you, sir? I'm good, Tim. How are you? Good. 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 Uh, we're going to do a couple things uh, today. First and foremost, uh, it's very interesting. Every once in a while, um, a story will come out that I will get a number of uh, emails, text, instant messengers, and and things of that nature on. Um, this is one of those weeks. Let's uh, see if I can't really screw up the uh, the video uh, the video feed here. And um, it's it's a story about well, it's it's an, o- an OLED story, right? Um, and for those of you who aren't familiar with this program and, and kind of some of the technology that we that we kind of like here, one of them is OLED. LG this week, um, and this is from uh, Innovate on the Net as well as CNET, uh, is the two of the stories that we're covering with us. LG has is showing off a quote unquote press on wallpaper TV under one millimeter thick. Now, what makes this possible? is the OLED technology. Uh, Mr. Green, we're going to start with you on this. Uh, first question is, you know, how quickly or, or how likely is this to ever see the light of day? Uh, and the second thing is, is what are some of the applications for it? Um, I, I'm not quite sure as to when, but I think there's obviously a pressing need. I, I, in reviewing the article, what surprised me the most was um, the size and the cost. And they were talking about it being, you know, a holdback for success. And I'm thinking, you got to be kidding me. You know, if people are willing to spend, you know, twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars on on and on other types of displays. And this was was listed as nine thousand dollars for a 4K resolution at 65 inches. Sign me up. Um, there, there's applications everywhere for this. And then and the other thing I think that probably some of the OLED manufacturers are missing is is size. 65 is great. 100 would be wonderful. But so is 20. I mean, the ability to slap up a presentation into a huddle space at the moment that you need it, oh, yeah, I got customers are salivating for that idea now. Um, so I, I, it's a very interesting idea. I, 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 I chuckle about it too because I'm, you know, as Clint and I were talking before, I'm an old timer. I can't figure out where's the gazinta, what's the connector, because that's how I determine where it's to be used, how it's supposed to be used, and what I'm going to connect to it. I love to hear from anybody else. Where, where's the gazintas? Okay, yeah, you're you're right. If, if you're, as you're looking at this at this picture, there is a millimeter's not. It's not very thick. So you're right. There, there is. <laughs> Now, if it's a, if it's a thought transfer control device too, now we we're. <laughs> well, I wonder if they're going to take um, if they're going to take cues from things like wireless streaming, wireless presentation, and kind of right. build that technology into it, or if it's through some sort of millimeter thick ribbon cable with some sort of external component somewhere else that resides in the room. But it's a great question. You know that that article shows the device actually just. Uh, through magnets just snapping right into place. Well, again, you know, yeah, if you're walking around with your BYOD and you're walking down the hall and, and the vice president says, hey, let's talk about the presentation, let's go to the huddle space, and you slap up a 20-inch OLED in the wall and you 
take your video off your uh, you bring your own device and you throw it up against the 20 inch that's sexy that's sexy and effective I mean that's really that's that's a real-time use okay so let's 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 kind of walk this through then Ernie as a, as a sales engineer it's uh, you know are we getting to the point where connectors don't matter uh, um, because here's the thing you know there there's been lots of, there's been lots written and said both positive and negative about the HDMI connector and comparing it to the you know the old DVI and now DisplayPort and Thunderbolt and all this jazz are we almost moving beyond the connector like some people have said we're moving beyond physical media and say screw it you know what it's going 20 feet i can push 1080 that far yeah i i don't think at the moment um, the the technology is there where we can pretty where we can start designing connectors and cabling outside of the system altogether. I think, <clears throat> much like the transition from analog to digital, there's going to be the transition from digital to wireless, and there needs to be um, sensitivity to both because, you know, the products are out there, but they're still in in many cases they're still early adoptive and and they're getting better. But I don't think we're at a place yet where we can completely remove the connection from the room. Um, I still have clients that are migrating from VGA to HDMI. So getting them from analog to, you know, bunny hop over to completely wireless sharing, it's, I don't think it's there yet, but it's it's getting there. Well, and the other thing that you brought up too uh, about, you know, the cables and stuff, the mounts. What, what does somebody like a chief manufacturing do? Because they start making magnetic plates that you screw onto the wall. I mean, there's it, it, there's a major impact on a lot of things, and 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 I agree. I you know we're still solving some of the real mundane issues, but that is that is a clear roadmap, and it's it's it really does answer a ton of questions. It's an end user is going to the labor savings alone, the labor savings on something of that device, remarkable. The ability to be flexible and to move it to the client's needs and the time and space needed. Yeah, I mean, think and, about the applications that that endless. opens. Yeah, it opens a door in, in healthcare, automotive. I mean, it's just where where you couldn't put display before now you can, and I think it's only going to be a boon for um, the digital uh, the digital signage market because you know they can incorporate this type of technology more into environmental media scapes. Yeah, you, know, you got an auto mechanic. You have an auto mechanic that stops it to the underside of the hood. It's you know uh, he's looking into the engine. He looks up and there's a YouTube being transmitted to the to the flat panel display. Oh come on, because again, it's endless. You don't have to struggle to come up with ideas for this. Well, no, and we, I was talking with uh, with a, a young man uh, this week about uh, he works for a, a control manufacturer and they also make you know a digital uh, uh, video stuff. He was talking about a built in the built in apps. Right. Um, right. They you, you you could built in basically virtually any app. Uh, he was talking about specifically the the 4K um, Amazon Prime, right? Mm -hmm. it, it's it's built in right there. If you want, if you have a 4K display and you have, you know, this built in app, that's how you're going to get 4K delivered to this to this TV. You don't need a connector then. Well, you know that's the other thing, and I and I and I, I'm glad you just mentioned it. I think that the the other thing that says is this a product ready? Is is this something that does it have to be doing this? It, it's remarkable again. It's 4K, 65 inch, and the size of it, but the need for that kind of resolution may not necessarily be there. You know, a smaller size and le less resolution is is probably acceptable for for. 25% of the of the applications, you know, it's the immediacy and the availability of taking and putting information in front of you. That's that's how I look at it, and and I wouldn't want well we 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 can't deliver till we have the 4K ready. Well, I, I think that lower resolution is probably acceptable in some situations. And on OLED, absolutely it is. I mean, I, the 1080p right. on on OLED looks gorgeous. <laughs> right. Uh, Clint, you guys have got a, a, a fairly decent, uh, not decent, a fairly uh, decently uh, evolved uh, wireless platform now with the VIO. Um, it, it, I'm, I'm going to take a step back here and, and ask a question. It, it, how do you get uh, people to migrate maybe from the VGA? Like Ernie said, he still has people going from VGA to HDMI. How would you get someone maybe going from VGA straight to a, a VIO, straight to a wireless system, or is it, you know, maybe there maybe there's an inter intermediary there that you know, people aren't uh, aren't quite comfortable jumping that far, <laughs> that, that quickly? 
Well, there, there's actually a combination of, uh, of both in the marketplace. Uh, there are applications for wireless presentation and collaboration use in classrooms and auditoriums and huddle rooms, but there are also certain classrooms that just aren't ready to migrate to that particular level, K-12, through for example. They just may need a more simple system with a little HD-based T and, uh, and a simple scaler or switcher in it, uh, and then that solves there. It may be a simple uh, wall control with uh, push buttons on it. That might be the price range that uh, that they need to live in, and it does everything that they need that to, uh, to do for them. Uh, but uh, on this OLED for a second, if I may, if oh. I can go back to that for a minute. Um, about 15 years ago, uh, one of the smartest uh, chief uh, technology engineer type guys that uh, I've come across in the business uh, was telling me about OLED for the first time. And he said, one day you're just going to take these things like paper and put them in the wall, on the wall. And what size, what size television you want? you'll put that many tiles up next to each other and then you'll have that size television. And it's kind of reminiscent of Back to the Future 2, I think, when, when Marty's in his home and that whole wall is like a, a giant TV. Uh, and, that's, and you're looking at this image in this LG article and, and they could put multiple of those units together. Now if you're sending in the future an 8K signal, you can do various things. You don't have to have one giant 8K picture on that big screen, you could. Or you could break it up into and have multiple images on on the, that one seamless looking screen. But also uh, digital signage, absolutely, because where we're going to be using uh, video walls today, uh, imagine how easy it would be to do a video wall when you're just putting it up uh, right next to each other and it's magnetic, and then take into consideration the viewing angle on these things. It's it, the viewing angle on OLED is just amazing. That is an incredible idea. I didn't even think about that. The fact that you can actually just kind of you know, click these things together and put in together multiple different, uh, multiple different displays, and you could just have a, your own little video wall. I'm looking at the the bezel on this thing, and I don't, I actually don't see one. So, <laughs> uh, one thing there. So, in the article, there was actually a link to another article which talked about um, how they're planning to reduce costs, and MIT's come up with a solution about actually printing yeah, the LEDs. Which that was great, remarkable. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really. I mean, if that really takes off, you have to kind of look at that in the big picture of of production of everything. And when you when it comes to things like three D printed objects, printing OLEDs, it, as we move into the future, more in the the power of production is going to be more in the hands of consumers and small businesses and and other companies that are entering into the marketplace because they have access to things like three D printing machines. OLED printing machines. I mean, take it 20 years from now, the application could be, you could be printing your own screens for whatever applications you see in your house. Yeah, there was even, I mean, you know, a couple of years ago when they started talking about OLED and the possibility of it, I mean, it, 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 we now have a printing machine that prints an OLED. Well, it could be printing a shirt that is an entire OLED surface itself. <laughs> Yeah. And you're you know you're talking about digital signage, and you're not you're not carrying a sandwich board, you're lit up and walking down the street carrying the message. Yeah. And then that gets back into the connectivity issue, where you are then at that point either having some sort of tail, tying into your T-shirt, or it's wireless. You know, it goes back yeah, to the wireless question. Right. Right. You're, yeah, you're streaming it from a, a much higher uh, solution. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. If you're going to build that big a screen on your, let's just say the wall in your living room. There might also be an option, uh, who knows, I don't know, there might also be an option where you uh, recess a uh, box in the wall before you put the screen up and it's all, all the electronics are connected behind the, the screen. Well, Clint, you just now, now you're just going to get, you know, my gears turning because you're talking about an entire wall in your, in your home. And think about this. I, I, I haven't done much research into OLED and interactivity, but, um, you know, uh, John, I know that you, you've you've uh, posted some work on the Internet of Things too, and and think about yep. that. Think yep. about visualization and dashboards, and mm -hmm. how really, what what things like the Internet of Things and and um, big data and cloud all really boil down to is viewing and analyzing metrics and, and analytics and on a dashboard. Well, think about that in terms of how that ties in with OLED. Now I can make my let's say an entire wall of my kitchen, kind of like the command center for. You know, my entire home where it's the media is on one screen, I've got my HVAC system on another screen or my home energy use or, you know, water usage in my home, all of that. Yeah. I, I did the possible again, the possibilities are endless and I and I, and, it, and it's it's they somebody should be rushing to this technology. I mean if Agreed. they've got if they if they're doing what they're doing right now and they're printing it and they're getting that close, 
don't stop. Yeah, throw in throw in the different ways that you can control that because at CES for the last several years, gesture and voice control has been <laughs> demonstrated throughout that show, and it's pretty impressive what they can do with both of those, quite frankly. Yep. You know, TV on, please. <laughs> you know? Right. Well, it, it is an it, it, HBC. Boom. You know, it's like. Well, again, it, 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 let's go. Let's just take like a you know the the, the times when they were, the phone was had a cord to it. Well, this is a you know now it's a teleconferencing system on a wall, and you're you're having a teleconferencing, and you use your hand gesture to drag the conversation in from the living room to the to the kitchen and talk in the kitchen and take it from the kitchen upstairs. You can carry the person with you if the walls if the wallpaper is now the OLED and the hand and gesture tech. Very cool stuff. No, it is very cool. And the, the last thing I'll say about this is uh, I wrote an article a number of, of, of months ago about the green part of, of AV and, and looking more at it from the, the production standpoint rather than, you know, saving energy. If they're starting to print uh, OLED screens, that is an incredible uh, ecology saving. That's incredibly, incredibly green compared to the way they're doing LCD and, and, and OLED now with gases and some some rather right. you know dangerous chemicals you know and and L OLED uses considerably less power than our existing technology so. oh, yeah, absolutely I mean, yeah, and this is going to sound relatively strange but again this the three the 3D printing topic alone is scary because <laughs> if i can get a roll of OLED or whatever i got to do to get the materials to do the printing don't take this wrong i don't have to wait for the manufacturer to make the product for me anymore and it's going to be like John. It's going to be like that for virtually yep. most of the products we use and consume on a daily basis. Right. I mean, I can. And, you know, again, if a customer says to me, "I need a 40-inch," well, it should be printed by tomorrow morning. We're good to go. Uh, or, you know, and augment what's already being supplied by somebody else. It's remarkable stuff. Just. And, and and this is one of those technologies. My wife and I look at each other, and she's not a technical person, but I I, I pose as one. Um, and I start telling these stories, and she says, "Yeah, it's time for me to check out." And and that's <laughs> it, it. Really is. I mean, this is one of those technology. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to make this one. Well, and Clint, you know, from from a manufacturer standpoint, John brings up a good point. At that point, you guys kind of market yourselves as suppliers of CAD drawings, I guess, at that point, yeah. where, hey, you know, buy, buy a Kramer, you know, you guys released your 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 your, uh, your touch panels this week, and your control systems uh, made them available. You, you talked about them and was showing them off at ISC. Presumably, they'll be at Infocom, you know, next month, uh, where you guys say, okay, John Green from Advanced AV or Ernie, here's the CAD drawings. You guys do with it what you will. Tim, I'm not 100% sure I'm following you. Help me understand a little so bit So, in other words, instead of selling the actual physical product, you sell them a CAD drawing. You sell them the schematics, and they and you let them print themselves. The 3D oh, file. The that. 3D file, oh, yes. I hadn't thought about that. That's, that's, uh, that's pretty interesting, yeah. Go print your own product based on this. Uh, I, yeah. I think it's going to be less about, you know, there's, there's never, I mean, no, not never. It's it's less likely that we're going to be able to print things like complex DSPs that Kramer would make, right? But but more about connectors, um, smaller widgets, uh, and and really by the time we get to that point, we're going to be looking at. I mean, just think about how the OLED, you know, with an integrated smaller camera in a in a much more futuristic space is going to look. I mean, um, it, I think it's just going to start replacing some of the more commoditized pieces of of, uh, of installation process so more like you know smaller smaller gizentas and gizautas and sure yeah yeah all right uh let's kind of move on but, and, 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 and the other thing but uh, an example of you know it's where where people like kramer you know they're always on the leading edge of things anyway i mean they're they're trying to they're your cloud-based AV control system. I mean, I would imagine that, okay, we've printed the device out, we're hanging it on the wall, you know, something's got to be controlled. So, you know, their, you know, cloud-based service that they provide today will probably be effective to make that device on the wall work better or what it's supposed to do. So I wouldn't discount everybody. I'm just saying that um, it's going to change the paradigm in a lot, of, a lot of things. Yeah, just look at what we're doing here. We're having, we're using a social media platform to have a video conference when, Ten years ago, video conferencing was done with very expensive equipment by, by people with a great deal of experience in it. And uh, now we're just we just we get an email from Tim. We we click that link and boom, we're uh, we're having a video conference on a social media platform. The point being, 
the point being that that you know we're the, the pro AV industry and everything that we've always done is moving in this kind of direction. Uh, it's moving in a software direction. It's uh, mm -hmm. it's moving towards the uh, uh, those the, the IT system that you have in the building. You're going to put your video over the IT. You're going to do your cloud-based control. You're going to have your wireless presentation and collaboration systems, uh, and you'll be able to remote people into that classroom with those devices. It's 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 just this. You can see where everything is going. It's just natural that the pro AV industry is going to go along. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this this was that we're going to shift gears here real quickly, guys. Um, the headline sounds very evil and very mm -hmm. the sky is falling. This is from NewsFactor, NewsFactor.com. The U.S. supply of IPv4 addresses are going to run out soon, quote unquote. And according to the article, it will happen sometime this summer. <laughs> so, you know, if you look at the the solar eclipse and all that, the summer starts somewhere around June twentieth, twenty first, somewhere in there. <laughs> Three months later, so what is that? September 21st, we should be run out of IPv4 addresses. That's for the public internet, right? Um, it, it leads me, though, to, to a broader question, and Ernie, we'll start with you on this. Is Are we at the point where we not need to start uh, as integrators and as AV professionals, we need to start implementing IPv6 if we haven't done so already, because I'll be very honest, I, I, my full-time job is I, I run a programming house uh, out of St. Louis. My, got a lot of really talented programmers, lots of different jobs here and there. I have yet to run into a job yet where we have started to implement IPv6. So are we um, there? Uh, let's look at the data. That, I mean, really, what you look at is, Two billion people currently connected to the internet now, with a tra with a pro trajectory of close to ten trillion devices connected to the internet in ten years. IPv4 is 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 going to be maxed out quicker than anybody realizes it. Um, so absolutely, the 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 need to start implementing IPv6 um, it is here. It you know, as everything and again as we you know the Internet of Things becomes more and more part of the conversation in the technology world, you know, you're gonna, people are gonna start having connected everything in their home. So one person is gonna have hundreds, literally hundreds, if not thousands of connected devices associated with them and them alone. So the need to have um, an infrastructure behind that or an IP infrastructure behind that that can support the, the move to the internet of things is crucial because really it's, it's already happening, it's been happening and it's just, it's just now we're kind of waking up and realizing, oh my gosh, it's 2015. We've got, you know, some 3.5 billion things connected to the internet, if not more. Um, it, it is absolutely necessary to start moving to that. All right, John, from your standpoint, and, and as you're, you know, you're, you're gonna love this. <laughs> All right, go ahead. I'm gonna take a little snarky attitude towards this whole thing. A couple, you know, was first, first off, I, I, I discovered this probably about a week and a half ago, two weeks ago. I, I decided that I, this AVIT thing, I guess it's real, so I might as well go take a networking <laughs> class. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I go to my Cisco, you know, my Cisco website, and I take a take a networking class, and and one of the topics was this specific subject. And 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 I'm like, and it, and it opened my eyes. I, I think that there's a lot of things that, uh, you know, that we have to start to worry about. But my other reaction to it is, Ernie's too young to remember this. He was probably a baby in diapers. But Clint's been with me, you know. And back in 1997, I built a food, you know, a, a bomb shelter for the Y2K episode that was going to occur, you know. And then I, you know, well, that kind of came and went without much of a hoof, and you know. So now I get to sell powdered milk to all my neighbors. Um, I think there's a lot of this stuff is technology fear to make something happen. You know, this is real. I understand it's a real issue, and I understand it's happening. I just don't think it's it's that much of a crisis. And if you read the article, that's pretty much what they're saying. There's there's still pools of resources with the IP addresses available, and realistically, it's it, the river's going to run past us at a little bit later time. Uh, but you should. I mean, it's it, you should start to do it today in preparation. All right, so it's, ahead, it's really interesting, if I may, because um, uh, I think what in, in taking a look at this, I hadn't been that familiar with it before uh, we were going to talk about it today. Uh, there are like 4 billion uh, IP4 addresses 
There are 340 trillion, trillion, trillion capabilities with IPv6. So I think we just get excited as human beings when something like Y2K and and this, it's just, it's cool, but I I think they got it covered, you know? It's another stat I saw was that imagine that all the uh, IP4 addresses uh, occupied the space of a postage stamp, then relatively speaking, the IPv6's uh, addresses would occupy the space of a solar system. So right. I think, yeah, it, uh, and, and companies like Facebook and Google, they're they're 100% internally IPv6. I read, um, and uh, and they're working on uh, you know on, on taking that outward. So it, it's it's just I think it's going to be uh, something cool to talk about, as John said, more so than something we need to be worried about. I think IT managers need to worry about it. Oh yeah, yeah. I think there's people that that, that have bigger bigger things and planning that type of a situation but I think as the IP fees you know as those IP addresses get dumped and are taken up the sixes they'll be they'll be it'll be a smoother transition other than the, the sky is falling well let, let me bring one more thing in here Ernie's uh, in the in the Baltimore area presumably there's a fair amount of, of, of government work uh, to be done in the Baltimore area to be JITC compliant the system all the systems including the AV system has to have an IPv6 so you know, Ernie, maybe not the rest of us, because you know, again, I'm in St. Louis. There's there's a, a few installations that are government run, but not quite as many as in the, you know, the Baltimore, you know, Langley, uh, D.C. area. Mm-hmm. Um, is, is it something that maybe if, if it depends on your clientele? Then, you know, I, I have to admit, I mean, being in the Baltimore area, we do have uh, a lot of federal agencies here and in D.C. Um, I haven't bumped into this requirement. I, you know, working in the federal space, um, so I really, I'm, I'm really not qualified to answer that question. But what I, what I will say is that, you know, if we just look at the trend line to, from where we started to where we are today, and how quickly we've gone to the amount of IP addresses in that short amount of time, I agree that it's not, the, it's not the sky is falling, and we all shouldn't be turning off devices and disconnecting from the net. But if you just look at the proliferation of the internet, the, the the reduced cost in sensors, actuators, electronics that are being connected to the internet, and yeah. the and and the business applications in industry that is showing the clear savings, not only from a from a operational standpoint, but this is the year of climate change and climate action, and that people need to start taking steps to be more energy efficient and to reduce their carbon emissions. Mm-hmm. The the trend line is going is going to be exponential in in how things become part of the internet. And it's gonna just take off and I feel like it's gotta be part of the conversation and IT managers and IT consultants need to be developing this and, and working it into their designs. All, all, all valid points, Ronnie, I agree with you. And I, and, and I think that, you know, but again, some of this in my, is, you know, so there's the internet of thing. And then you gotta start talking about the internet of things. And then you have to start to talk about, you know, what that's going to mean. And then you gotta start to sell the stuff that people are gonna use on this internet of things. And and that's where these addresses this is where the conversation of the addresses surround. So mm-hmm. again, some of the, some of these things and, and I guess I'm an old cynical guy is that I've been around for forty years. Some of it is marketing hype to get something sold. Sure. I, I completely agree. Okay. Um, you know, one of one of the uh I, I wrote an article recently that that addressed um, you know the the push towards smart smarter buildings, mm-hmm. and one of the things that um, I've been seeing a lot of, much like with the Internet of Things, is um, who's adopting it first, who's jumping on the bandwagon first, and who's putting you know something out there in terms of marketing, and how do we move past the marketing of these um, these new technologies into something that's actionable. Uh, for the average AV integrator who might not be, you know, who might not know as much about this particular subject, how do they get into it and get beyond? Because when you actually dig down deep into some of these platforms, these smart building platforms that some AV manufacturers are promoting, you're really finding there's there's not much substance behind the behind the marketing. There's a platform, but there's no training infrastructure. The interoperability isn't really there as much as they as much as it needs to be. So. I agree. It's, uh, but the marketing is quickly going to follow, be followed by action. Oh, I, 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 again, I don't disagree with you, but I, you know, it's one of those. The other thing that that that, that some experience has given me, and Infocom's a perfectly good discussion. You know, we'll 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 bump into each other as friendly competitors or whatever it might be, and we'll standing in a bar, and, oh. and those kind of those conversations will come down to something like this, and I'll say, 
hey, uh, Ernie, you selling any of those blue boxes? Because I'm being told by the rep that they're being, they're going out the door like, uh, you know, it's like they're <laughs> – and I'm going, am I missing a parade? Am I – I'm going to go kill yeah. my salespeople. Why don't they understand it's the Internet of Technology, Internet of Things, yeah. and this is really important. They should be selling OLED. Mm-hmm. And then realize I just waste a lot of people's times. Yeah, I think it's. I think it goes. That's a great point, John. I think it goes beyond. What can I sell? Right. right. OLEDs. Yes, that might be something I can sell. Yeah, that's a practical thing. Yeah. We start talking about three D printing. It might not be something. It, it, the 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 talk about IPv6 and and the the push for the Internet of Things is really going to. It's just going to be a fundamental change in the way. Things are connected and communicated. It's not going to be something that an AV guy can go pull a skew off and sell to somebody. It's going to be integrated into the components and the systems. And I get this is a you know this is one of those I think it's a plumbing problem. I don't need to know how the water goes from here to here, but there better be a pipe somewhere, and, and somebody <laughs> right. better be worrying about it. Exactly. Well, exactly. Let, let me pick on the marketing guy for a second. Uh, Which one? That would be Clint, <laughs> the, the manufacturing marketing guy. Uh, Ernie and Ernie and John bring up a good point, and and this might be a little unfair. I, how do you help them move beyond the marketing hype? Because you know, don't don't blow smoke up my skirt. There's marketing hype, right? I get it. I, I understand it. That you know, there are there, there are going to be uh, what's what's famously referred to as vaporware on the show floor at Infocom. Absolutely, right? There's going to be somebody somewhere saying, you know, come see my my latest greatest snake oil. But as a manufacturer and as you know, a marketing guy for the manufacturer, how do you help them say, you know what, yeah, you know, yeah, understand that there's there's some marketing speak here, but how do you help them move beyond that and do exactly what they're saying is take the actionable steps they need to take to help their salespeople, their sales engineer, and ultimately their their clients, who really is kind of your client as well. Understood. And um, you know, anybody who knows me and happens to be uh, watching and listening to this is going to say, oh, my God, he's going to tell that story now. And I already told it to you right before this, uh, right before we started today. But I think that that story is my way of explaining the answer to your question. Uh, a long time ago in a uh, world far, far away, I worked for an AV integrator. And uh, at that AV integrator, at that point in time, if you wanted to make any money, you sold one of three things from three companies. You, there were three companies that made products that made you money. That was Sony, Panasonic, and JVC. Uh, at that time, we had a rep for each one of those companies. One rep was in our building every Thursday. You called him because you had a problem. He got right back to you that day. Uh, he would drop things on his, off on uh, non-Thursdays if you needed something on his way to somewhere else. We sold an awful lot of that rep's product, an awful lot of that rep's product. Another rep, uh, you called him. He was a great guy, a lot of fun to be with. You called him. Maybe he got back to you in two or three days. We sold some of their product. The uh, third rep, for whatever reason, had run afoul of our uh, owner and was not literally allowed in the building. We sold none of that product. So the the long the, the answer to the question is we're in a business of, about relationships, and uh, every company that I've ever been fortunate to be with has recognized that, and we set ourselves up to go to market uh, based on relationships. So you you ask the question, how do you help these guys get past the vaporware? Well, you know, where we are, where I am now and where I've always been is that you just have to, to be there 110%. Uh, we have a saying at Kramer Electronics, Kramer people make the difference. That's how we run our business. Um, and uh, I'm sure there's other companies that do the same. I'm not saying, you know, but, but that being said, that, that is our operating philosophy. So uh, when we, uh, someone calls us, someone contacts us, uh, we'll proactively put together education and take it out to the streets, whatever the situation is. It's about us being there the minute they need us. Yeah, right. yeah I, 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 I second that. I, I think there's always a marketing – it's a message. There's a marketing message. But the effectiveness of, of success is based upon the people that, that, you know, that you can call and you can trust. I mean, it's, you're, you're in a booth, and if you're talking to a stranger or you're talking to somebody that's hired to give the speech, you're probably not going to feel comfortable with it. But if you walk over to Clint and go, Clint, really? Yes. Trust it. Got to go. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. what happens. And I and you know, Clint, that's a that's a great you know a great anecdote there. You know, I I came into the AV industry with you know a role. You know, there's a Rolodex of manufacturers and reps, and you know, there's customer support. I mean, there's just it's it's a lot to wrap your mind around who's the person to talk to. But you make a great point, which is 
you know, I've had questions like this and the, the hypothetical questions I was raising earlier about, well, what's the real substance behind some of this marketing stuff is um, the ones that maintain my business are the ones that answer my phone calls and are honest and say, you know, I don't know. To be honest with you, I don't know. I have to talk with marketing. I'll have to talk with development. Why don't we set up a call to with one of our engineers to discuss about this more and maybe learn more? Um, and to me, that that's that's a that's to your point, Clint. It's you know, it's the ones that are willing to listen to their their customers and you know adapt to what their questions are and be honest if they don't know the answer. Yeah, you know, we always say that. Um, I always say that all things being somewhat equal. The products don't have to be perfectly equal. They got to be somewhat equal. People will buy from people they like and trust. I'm gonna uh, you do really tell you a story. I'm gonna try to make it as short as possible, but it's it kind of ties things together. <clears throat> we we did a, a a rather substantially large project, and there was a manufacturer of which we gave. You know, I'm gonna get through some random numbers. hundred thousand dollars worth of their boxes, and we gave we gave the order on Monday, and. The next thing I heard was from my field engineer, my engineer record who was on site that said, get him off of site. And I said, what are you talking about? He says, that manufacturer is here. I said, why is he here? He said, he's telling the customer he thinks he made a bad choice and he should be buying the next version of the product. And I said, next version of the product, we just gave him $100,000 for today's products. The customer was upset because he thought that we had sold him a bill of goods. Uh, you know, that we, were, we had literally placed the order with the manufacturer for the product that hadn't shipped yet. And, and this, this person was wanting to sell the next thing. Now the problem was is that form fits function. This blue box had to be a certain size with certain features or it wouldn't fit into the space. He was selling a product that wouldn't fit in the form or function, didn't have any of the features that the customer needed, and it just went on and on. And you're like, I fired, the, I fired him. I said, don't ever come in my building again. I said that's the last purchase order that unfortunately I'll ever run for you. So there's 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 some dangers in this stuff. I mean, we talk about the next technology. Don't sell it. Sell, sell what's today, brother. I mean, there's there's there are and it, there's 20 different solutions within a variety of ranges that we can provide. And yes, it's exciting. And our job as salespeople, and our job as engineers, and our jobs to customers. Here's your answer. You need to know that IPv6 is coming, and you should be concerned about it. But I got plenty of fours for you. Yeah, yep. very good. And the the last thing I'll say is is I don't know. It is a very very valuable phrase <laughs> that I think that a lot of manufacturers, integrators, program everybody down the line needs to be very comfortable saying because you know what I I don't there are very few people in this world that know everything right, right. and I I'm one of them that don't. Uh, I surround myself with really smart people. I surround myself with you three. I surround myself mm -hmm. with the team here at AV Nation. You know, that, that's, that's why I surround myself with the people I do. So I don't know is incredibly valuable to my vocabulary in talking to clients and talking to my employees and talking to other people. And so you know what? I don't know, but I'm pretty sure I think I know one or two people who might. And you go back to them and you say, let me do some, give me some time, you know, whether it's five minutes or, or maybe a couple of days. But most of the time, we'll be able to to figure it out. You know, figure it out together. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna add right on to that, and, and not only that, shortening it up completely. The answer no is a valid answer. Yep, agreed. <laughs> and 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 if 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 a customer says and says whatever the request, and you go no. And I've seen most people hesitate and go, "Well, aren't you supposed to say something else?" No, that's that's not going to work. No. And, 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 and the relationship starts anew. The conversation starts fresh. And in many, we have been in situations where it goes, I don't know if you're telling me the truth, but I, I can't believe you said that to me. And the relationship starts. Yeah. So. I also like the Miracle on 34th Street approach uh, with yep. the Santa Claus. <laughs> we don't have that, but those guys do. Yep. Because saying that doesn't mean that you're now putting somebody in a camp where they're going to buy all that person's stuff and never come back. The fact that you actually told them you don't have it, but you told them where they can find it, they'll come back to you the next time they need something. You know, instead of this gamesmanship of uh, you know, no, I can't mention that company name ever. You know, it's, it's yeah. You know, we're we're probably off topic, but I was at a meeting last night, and we were talking about this. We were talking about the subject again, very similar, and we had there were two or three people that it, it wasn't my customer. Somebody else was recanting the story, and it was about collaboration. Uh, you know, like the, the what the, the via stuff. 
but they were talking about the solution. And, and everybody has struggles when it gets to the network. You know, it works on that network, but it doesn't work on this network, whatever it might be. And there were two approaches. One manufacturer went in and was talking to the the engineer that designed the entire network for 60,000 employees. And he was they were doing the presentation. And they couldn't – and the, and the network engineer goes, that will not work on our network. We're this, and we need this, and you have to have this. So they left the sales meeting and they called the man, they called the the rep and they said we weren't talking to the right person. That was approach one. Approach two was the other one that said, you know what, you're absolutely right. We don't have that. And yeah, that's something that we're going to have. Do you mind if I talk a little bit more? And 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 took 15 minutes of somebody that had network experience over 60,000 employees took the feedback and go thank you very much we're absolutely going to implement that in the next model as a matter of fact how about if I build one of those things and ship it to you and you tell me what it is because you probably have an engineering lab there yes who won that one I understand who won yeah absolutely uh, all right, let's let's talk about Apple for a couple of seconds here, and and you know, th th not beat up on Apple, but you know, I like <laughs> Apple. They're, they're nice. I wish they'd come back with a with a seventeen inch PowerBook, but you know, that's just me. Um, I wish they never got rid of CoverFlow. Well, yeah, <laughs> there's that too. Um, <laughs> You know, it's a little so, thing. So, according to Wall Street Journal, this article is is a link to Ars Technica, which has the whole thing, but. Uh, it says that the Apple TV is dead. Uh, not that it was ever there, but it was, you know, different rumors and stuff. If you if you read the, the Steve Jobs uh, biography, he makes uh, iterations to it and uh, predictions for the last three or four years now. Well, according to them and the quote-unquote people familiar with the matter uh, tell the Wall Street Journal that the Apple team, quote-unquote, had a small team working on the TV set. Uh, but they have disbanded it, and Apple is focusing on set-top boxes, which I found rather interesting. Uh, John, we'll start with you on this. What does it tell us that Apple has has kind of apparently, according to those in the know, um, kind of gotten rid of, of the team that was doing the TV and are, are focusing more on, on individual little boxes that connect to displays? Very smart people. I mean, the analysis is relatively in the article. I... I there is not money in, in something like that. I, I think that I the only disagreement is is that they could put um, chocolate pudding in a box and sell it with an Apple logo and people would buy it. Um, I mean that's they they would they would always gain a market share with whatever they sold. Uh, but I think that our analysis is dead on. Uh, I really do. I think that as we talked about the OLED in the beginning, I think that's what it's going to be. I think it's going to be the apps which they own. I think it's going to be you know. Other devices driving to a to a, an inexpensive display. Um, Clint and I, when we started out, we were how much money were we making on 20-inch TV sets? <laughs> yeah, a lot. All right, I can't I, I can't tell you because I think I'd have to tell the priest first how much money I was making on them. Yeah, it must be nice guys. <laughs> yeah, right. <don't> <laughs> right. But but today, I, I I made a presentation in front of a board of directors about digital signage, and we were talking about displays. And they were sitting there, and they were, these were tech people, and their, their comment to me was, wait, 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 your business model still surrounds trying to make money on the display? Well, that's ridiculous. What? He said, it doesn't make any sense to do that. I mean, it's, it's the monitoring of it. It's the, you know, it's, it's, it's the servicing of it. It's the putting the content on it. I can't believe you're actually trying to make money off of the displays. And these are the people that were, were safeguarding us. So. Yeah, I'd agree. I think uh, Johnny hit the nail on the head. It's, you know, the the money isn't in the hardware, uh, especially for Apple, who makes you know what they'd like to say more, you know, more boutique or, or more specialized or niche product niche products. Um, really, where Apple is going to be focusing on is the content piece and the uh, on-demand piece, because as you see, uh, things like Dish TV, HBO Now. Um, even Xfinity and, and, or I think Fios is coming out with kind of a uh, a la carte, you know, content delivery service because people are tired of paying in excess of $100 for a thousand channels they don't need. And I think what Apple's doing is saying, you know what, the hardware piece, we're going to stick to what works for us, which is the iPhone, iPad, Mac. And on the TV side of things, we're going to continue to make the Apple TV, which has become, you know, one of the... Um, most wide adopted, you know, residential AV products. But now we're going to take a step further. Now we're going to start enabling content 
providers to have their grounds. So now all people have to do is buy the Apple TV, and those channels are already preloaded. Right. Um, do, do any of you guys have an Apple TV at home? Yeah, I do. I, I do. I, yeah. Yeah. And, then, yeah. and we're and we're seeing the Apple TVs in conference rooms as the collaboration hub. I mean, sure. You know, but if you look at it, if you look at it, it's you know the Apple TV interface from what I have today versus what I had when I first bought it only two years ago. It's got I've got triple the amount of apps and streaming services. Smithsonian Channel, National Geographic, um, you know, uh, international channels, you know, of course your Netflix and Amazons, but they're just becoming more and more a part of it, and and it's really the way that the, the market is really driving um, what's going on here. And I think uh, I think Apple made the right choice by pulling out of that out of that hardware piece. Yeah, Tim, Tim, you asked uh, me earlier about. Um People moving towards wireless collaboration in uh, rooms versus, uh, you know, trying, you know, the migration, just trying to get them off of VGA. You know, we have the adoption curve, and you have the early adopters, and then you go up the curve to get to the mass market, and that's a common thing that we all in our business uh, are familiar with that adoption curve, uh, and that's kind of what's happening with wireless collaboration and people who still want VGA wall plates with uh, simple control. They're they're the uh, they're not on that curve yet, uh, but some people want to get right on the beginning of that curve. Apple has made a business out of taking technologies that everybody is familiar with and moving them back to the beginning of the curve. Telephones, Walkmans, which they called iPods, uh, you know, uh, watches now. Common everyday technology that they can take and go back and say, you know what, we're starting a new curve with this, and that, where are my early adopters? And uh, and they can't do that with a television, so they've decided not to do it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Real good points, man. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, as we wrap up here, let's <laughs> – we probably should have started with this story, but, you know, I'm not the smartest person in the world. So uh, FCC, <laughs> the FCC, and, and my, my, my buddy uh, Josh Frago is probably um, – well, he's on vacation today, so he's not doing anything. The FCC has uh, given broadband support to UHD. What they're saying is, and this is a, a, a decision by the, the Federal Communications Commission, um, they're saying that they're going to redefine what broadband is. They're moving it from 4 uh, megabytes per second to 25 megabytes per second for downloads and 1 to 3 for uploads. This is important because when it comes to things like what we're doing here currently, which is like, like you know, Clint alluded to, we're doing, a, a, you know, we're doing basically a video conference. Uh, over yeah. a social platform, over Google, you know, um, you can go into Polycom's or Cisco's or whoever's VTC. Having the definition of broadband move up is is an important step. Um, and what's going to happen then is not to bring back in net neutrality, but when you bring back in the net neutrality feature of of broadband and what they're defining it as, um, I think it's an important step. Um, John, we're going to start with you on this. Is there anything else that the FCC could do um, beyond this, and maybe jump it up again, I guess, um, to protect some of the VTC and some of the other internet-based stuff that that guys and, and girls in the in the AV space do? Yeah, I, I my I guess my my I take most of my feed off of you know reading Josh's articles and things of that, and every time I I try to read an FCC paper or Wheeler's response at inf at, at at the last event and. It's really deep and really hard, and it, it hurts my brains. Um, but I, I guess to answer the question in somewhat of a direct fashion, I think that it's really disappointing that they didn't talk to us at a deeper level that they should have. Um, and I, I, I don't think we're prepared. I, I, I think we're unprepared for the problems that we're really going to be faced with, and I think it's going to be a drag on our industry for a little bit. Um, but again, as as we as we mentioned earlier, uh, you know we're on a we're on a social media platform doing a video conference. We always, as as industry professionals, always want we would like to have an immersive conferencing coming down broadband and having it work perfectly fine. But two thirds of the world's okay with a Google Hangout. So I think that's the approach that they took. I think that they 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 tried to go to a low common denominator on some of this stuff, and it's going to be a problem. All right, Ernie, from your perspective, is there something that the, the FCC could have done better, maybe? You know, I don't know. I mean, it, it's, it's hard to say. I, I, I couldn't help but read the article and keep thinking about the net, net neutrality discussion in my head. I mean, it, they kind of go part and parcel with each other. And I think, um, 
you know, I, I think it's important for them to continue to evolve the requirements behind um, what they consider, you know, broadband internet and broadband access. I think it's also important for, for them to preserve that for everybody and keep it an, keep it an open um, platform. But really, you know, as applications like, you know, in-home telehealth and tele telemedicine become more and more approved by, um, uh, more and more approved by, you know, Medicare, Medicaid, and health insurance, it, it's going to be really important to maintain an open pipe. And, and I think, I think, you know, big telecom is using that to, in, in to try and, bolster their argument that, you know, well, we need to be able to set fast lanes for these types of things. But really, I mean, when you look at it, you know, go back to the beginning of the second industrial revolution when, when we had to set up a, a, you know, a nationwide telephone communications infrastructure. Um, you know, th those types of arguments weren't made. I think what people realize is that what's good for the economy is an open and collaborative um, communications infrastructure. And by, by the FCC taking steps to increase that and evolve it. I think it's a good sign. I can't really say if they should have done more or not. You know, it's not that's not really my my wheelhouse. I, I think it, again, I think it's a good sign. But I think that there's an argument if we if we go to let's say television, it's one of those situations where they said, or let's let's even go to the IPv4 versus six when the internet first occurred and why it was so successful was is they thought out enough future and there was enough of a standard and there was enough of a platform for everybody to develop under that umbrella and there was probably somebody 20 30 years ago that said oh IPv4 we'll have enough IP addresses to last forever <laughs> and and now we found ourselves at the bottom and again I think that that's what some of the stuff that the FCC is doing we have to trust and we have to hope that they've been able to give it enough forethought that everybody like Kramer can build products that are going to ha, will have time to come to market and people will be able to recover their research. If not, it's a crushing failure. Mm -hmm. I think the I think that the ability to move it up a little bit, be adaptable, and try to stay ahead, that's an interesting approach. But where the real success to take the internet, mm -hmm. they started it back in 19 whatever, let's say 47, and it was good till 2013. Then they're going to make some adjustments. That's enough time for people to make money on it, have it a stability, have people get adoption, that type of a situation. I'm not sure that happened this time. Well, and the other thing is, you, you've got companies like Kramer, and I was going to pick on on Clit for a little bit. Is they got different. Internets. I mean, let's be right. honest here. You have, I mean, Kramer's built, based in, in Israel. They have a different infrastructure. You have right. the, the the Asia Pacific market, which, according to Infocom, is going to be the biggest market in the world for AV by 2016. That is incredibly different uh, internet infrastructure. I mean, uh, mm -hmm. was it South yep. Korea has the fastest internet uh, and the most ubiquitous internet uh, in the world? So you know, th they've got to take you know different approaches. Uh, I would I would imagine uh, depending on what market they're in. Yep. Hey, listen, uh, the, if you don't mind, Tim, is it possible for you to put that article back up on the screen yes, for sir. one second? Because I think one of the most interesting aspects of that article is buried in the third paragraph there. Maybe. Why you're, why you're looking for that? Why you're looking for that? Uh, I will also say that I think that uh, I think, and uh, from a marketing perspective, I, I hope I'm not out of my league here. That uh, the H.265. Um, Kodak is going to be uh, uh, is going to help us greatly in yes. in continuing the evolution from the pro AV side of things that we're making uh, into the uh, internet the IP IT world. So um, so while they only moved the ball so far, so they, they moved the ball forward and that's good. And, but it, they only moved it so far forward. In the meantime, uh, it's good news is that we're going to have H.265. Uh, and again, I think that, and, and I agree, and that's, that's how e even what we in the marketplace have done. Oh, well, it's not going to fit in the pipe. Squeeze it. <laughs> <laughs> Compress it. Do something. And that's what, and, and that, and that's what, I, what I enjoy is that's what makes America great. You know what I mean? And then somebody better make the pipe bigger. I can always squeeze it so much. Yeah, I don't know if Tim, if you can get that up there. I got it. You, you were asking way too much of my computer this afternoon. Hang on. Goodness gracious. I'll just there you it need is. a good collaboration tool is what I you need, something. Tim. <laughs> Do me a favor because every time I talk, it goes away. But there we can go. you read that part out loud about the commissioner who said, okay, there it is. Yeah, FCC uh, Chair uh, Tom Wheeler uh, didn't get a unanimous vote. However, dissenting Commissioner Michael O'Reilly derided the new definition saying UHD is not expected to be widely adopted for years to come. 
Apparently, he hasn't seen sales figures and projections on the fast-growing UHD TV market, but Commissioner Jessica, I'm not going to pronounce that, pushed for an even more ambitious goal, a download speed of 100 megabytes per second. Anything short of that short changes our children, our future, and our new digital economy. I like her. She rocks, man. Yeah. Another guy, a little bit. Uh, I don't know if it's political or you know. Yeah, and that's the that's the tone I got too from that. Yeah. Like, like it's just it's kind of like yeah, you know, you know, it, it's not it's not that big of a deal. You know, we can just keep it where it is and everything's fine. But right. yeah, why you sh- don't don't shortchange anything? It's the other thing I'm gonna take out of it. She certainly seemed to be the youngest in the group as well. So that's that's always a good verifier to go. I, I go. I always go to my teenage daughter and say, "So I'm thinking about this," and she goes, "Oh, you just do it this way. You're an idiot." And they do. You know what I mean? And because they're already under they're on that curve that he talked that Clint talked about earlier. I mean, look at on the FCC who doesn't think UHD is going to be right. widely adopted anytime soon. That is scary. Well, that's, I mean, look at look at um, look at Internet too. Right and and insta- you know educational or institutional um, inter- internet infrastructures they are requiring you know at minimum 100 100 meg uh, bandwidth pipes because of the amount of data and information they're sharing um, it's got to be scaled up to that and I think that you know as colleges education you know moves to a more collaborative online um, uh, type of paradigm then the need is going to be there and other countries are going to start putting these in place and they're going to start exceeding what we can do in the United States and with higher education and colleges and universities being such an economic driver here in the United States it 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 puts us at a disadvantage if of our healthcare and educational resource institutions don't have the resources they need in order to do their work which which would keep America at the top of the game yeah absolutely well said all right i think we're going to end on that note uh, Ernie, we'll we'll give you the first shot here. Ernie, uh, Ernie Beck from uh, from Scenario, a senior sales engineer. Thank you, sir. Thank you for having me. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at at Ernie underscore Beck. That's E R N I E underscore Beck B E C K. Um, if you want, you can also follow our uh, networking group here in Baltimore, DC area, called Integrate Baltimore. We're on LinkedIn, Facebook, uh, Twitter, and our Twitter handle is at Integrate underscore B more. Right. Very good. Um, Thanks for having me. Absolutely, man. Uh, Mr. John Green uh, from Advanced AV. Thank you, sir. Thank you. It was great. Um, I'm always at jgreen6. Um, uh, it's my Twitter handle. I'm, I'm relatively active and engaging at any given time. Um, much of that, is, all those opinions are mine. Uh, but if you want to see other activity, I'm, again, I'm in LinkedIn. Uh, but uh, Advanced AV is, is www.advancedav.com. So yeah, stop you, on by anytime you want. And your your site is relatively new. It's very, uh, very yeah. It's nice. a yeah, it's been nicely refreshed, and we're still we did a little bit more than a paint job. We do we put some new content up there, some rearranging some things, and uh, it's probably worth a week from now to to, to go look. We got some interesting news, so we'll put up there. I think I think your marketing director deserves a raise. I'm just saying. So. Yeah, she says that too. <laughs> His, his marketing director helps me at all. I guess Clint's going to jump in on this because he's a marketing guy too. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, last but not least, uh, Clint Hoffman. Thank you, sir. Well, thank you all. I appreciate it, Ernie, John, Tim. Uh, it's been it's been a wonderful experience. Uh, Kramer is at www.kramerus.com here in the United States, and uh, I invite you to please stop by the booth at Infocom and visit us because, as a result of this uh, participation in this event, I'm going to declare the Kramer booth a Marketing, uh, 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 marketing skin free zone. <laughs> oh, That's great. Nice. Very well done. Very well done. And it, it, so we, we talked about this a little bit off the air. Um, they uh, they just started to announce the uh, the availability of the the new K Touch, which I got to see it at ISC this uh, this year. Um, presumably, again, it would be at the at the Infocom booth unless will it be good at the move. Infocom booth? It's really a good move. Good product. Good idea. Really is. Thanks so much. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, speaking of booths, you can come by ours as well. Uh, we'll be at Infocom. Um, uh, after popular demand, we'll have the the the, the uh, Aviation Chapstick there. Uh, six 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 seven <laughs> uh, is the booth, and there will be two flavors this year uh, because my board said so. Uh, they'll be cherry as well as mint. So, uh, but if you want uh, more information about us, um, Aviation.tv, Aviation.tv. The guys are working on a new website. Um, 
they tell me by Infocom, so that I'm, I'm crossing my fingers. Um, we've had a couple things we're, we're doing, and, and we'll, we're, we're going to roll this out slowly, um, just because that's how I do things, and I'm, I'm kind of deliberate in this. Uh, but one of the things we're doing is, is we're, we're bringing some, some really important and really, uh, really great companies alongside us to, to help us do what we do, including cover shows like Infocom and ISC. Uh, and, and Kramer is, is, one of, is one of those companies. So Clint, and it had nothing to do with this. I, I scheduled Clint a month or so ago. Uh, but thank you so much. I just wanted to take the opportunity to thank you, sir. Yeah, so, um, but yeah, good. Check out Kramer if you would. Um, our website is avnation.tv, avnation.tv. You'll find this program and a host of others. Um, like everybody going to Infocom, we've got a lot of stuff going on and doing booth tours and stuff like that. Our booth, again, is 6667. We'll be doing this very program uh, about a month from now. Um, and uh, the uh, we'll be doing between 2 and 4 on Friday uh, of the show. So come by, be a part of the of the audience shoot be a part of the panel um the uh hours of two to three actually will be episode 200 so uh so that'll be kind of cool um i'm not sure what we're going to do yet but i'm sure we'll do something special so uh thanks so much for watching thanks so much for listening this has been av week